You're listening to Perks of Being a Book Lover, a show about books, people who read, and how reading at its very best is a social experience. Whether it be a book club, a poetry slam, or the production of a play, words are meant to be shared. There is the old philosophical question. If a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, does it make a sound? Likewise, if you read a book and don't discuss it, have you enjoyed all the perks of being a book lover? I'm your host, Amy. I've been a member of numerous book clubs over the last 25 years and started quite a few. I love asking people what they're reading so that they'll ask me the same. I'm a vintage bookseller, a traveler wannabe, and a fanatic about dogs. And I'm your host, Carrie. I'm an English teacher, a freelance writer, a blogger, and the person whose Instagram feed features more photos of my cats than my kids. Each week, we will talk with a guest who shares the love of reading, how they impart that passion, and what books really catch them on fire. We will also tell you about our literary lives, what books are on our nightstands, and other bookish fun. Welcome. Listeners, we've passed the three-month, 12-episode mark, and it feels like a milestone. We hope you're enjoying our show and appreciate the mix of guests we invite to the studio, those whose bread and butter come from words and reading, as well as guests who share their love of words with clubs and with friends. If you want to help spread the word about our program, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. As those rating numbers go up, podcast platforms use those numbers in algorithms, and the possibilities that new listeners will find us rises as well. We truly appreciate your support. Now, on to the show. Today, Carrie and I speak to Holly MacArthur, a former news producer, now local high school teacher, who specializes in media studies, including TV, radio, and yearbook. She also happens to be a mother of four children and belongs to two different book clubs. We talk about how a personal tragedy nudged her into joining her first group 10 years ago. She explains to us what needs each club fills in her life, how a mathematical ranking system can help you choose a book for your book club, and why it's okay to be a non-book finisher. We are in the studio today with a local high school teacher, Holly MacArthur, who also happens to be in two book clubs. So we wanted to talk to her about how she manages that. So welcome, Holly. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm a high school teacher. I have spent the past 10 years teaching at Fern Creek High School in their media program. And this year I'm transferring to Atherton uh, because they are wanting to start a media program there. So I'm looking forward to that because it's going to be a, a kind of a new chapter. And it's exciting to kind of build something from the ground up. What all is involved in a media program? Does that include yearbook, newspaper, or is it mainly technical. Right. Like I was really fortunate to um, start at Fern Creek. Uh, They were about four or five years into their program at that time. So they had a pretty strong foundation. Uh, There was a TV studio, a radio station, yearbook, which can be kind of a tricky animal in itself. I had a very solid, solid teacher. And then I kind of got to slide in as a third teacher to the program and work to take it to the to the the next level is what the principal always said but it was a really great experience and you know I learned a lot because just being in television back when I was in television in the you know late mid to late 90s it's changed 
you know, dramatically. But a lot of the skills remain the same. They're strong writing, strong storytelling. So just the technology has changed. So tell us a little bit about this TV history that you have. Right. Um, I was a TV news producer. Um, that was my first career, which was a great career. So I loved it. And I worked in Lexington at the CBS affiliate there. It's my first job. But I wanted to come back to Louisville since I'm from here and got a job at Wave 3. And my husband and I both worked in television. I was behind the scenes as a producer, and he was a reporter and anchor at Wave for a long time. And it was a great career. Loved it. Loved it. But once you start having kids and juggling a family, it's hard for both people to work in the media business. I, I have to admit, I've known Holly since, well, her second child and my first child were in preschool. And I remember when I saw her husband at one of the parties or something, and I was like, oh, I know who he is. So I was a little bit starstruck way back in the day. <laughs> That's so funny because you know, he's been off the air at Wave since 2009, and people still come up to him like, how do I know you? And yeah, he still gets recognized. So you had mentioned that when you started having a family, tell us a little bit. Yes, I have four kids. My oldest is going to be a college freshman in just a few weeks, um, going off to Western. And then I have a son who's 15 and another son who's 13. So three teenage boys right now. And then my daughter is seven. I have to tell you, uh, my cousin who has three, now they're now grown, but she met someone um, who was from a Middle Eastern country. I can't remember exactly where, but she asked how many children she has. And my cousin said, I have three sons. And <laughs> the woman said, oh, your sin must have been very great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a challenge every day, every day. <laughs> Tell us a little bit how you got involved with these book clubs. You're in two. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about those. Okay. Well, uh, my first book club, we formed, got got together back in March 2010, and um, how it kind of came about. I've always loved to read. My very, very best friend since second grade, she's always loved to read, and we've always talked about books. What are you reading? What do you recommend? And, you know, that was something that we really had in common. And then she kind of brought up the idea to me, like, I've been talking to a couple of friends of mine from work and different things, and we're kind of interested in starting a book club. What do you, what do you, you know, would you be interested? You know, at the time, back then, you know, my boys were pretty young. It was pretty stressful with the, having three small kids in the house. And I was at a part of my life, it was, um, I had just gone through a really devastating pregnancy loss. And I think at the time, I just really needed something to kind of write my course. And, you know, now looking back, being able to have some perspective on it, I am so thankful that my friend just decided at that time to get us all together because having those meetings just, and really meetings is kind of a dry word for it, but just getting together with that group, some of them I knew really well and some of them I didn't know very well at all. It just really just helped me, you know, find something just for me. And now looking back, it was just kind of, I'm so glad. And, you know, people say, oh, I can't believe you've been in a book club for almost 10 years. And I was like, oh, no, 10 years. Jeez, that's crazy. Touching on that just a, a little bit. So a few years ago, I was going through a, a tough time. And I was already a member of a book club. So this isn't necessarily about book clubs per se, but I will just talk about reading in general, I think can be a very therapeutic thing. Oh, definitely. And it, there was a summer where I was just having a very hard time and I ended up sort of 
burying myself in reading. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, maybe that doesn't sound that healthy. I mean, I was reading huge chunks out of the day, and it was to kind of take me out of the bad spot that Mm -hmm. I felt like I was in. But it really, it was an escape. Mm -hmm. And I figured there's worse things that I could have done, right? I mean, I wasn't turning to alcohol or drugs or, Mm -hmm. you know, other things, but just that being able to escape into a book and not think about things that were less pleasant Mm -hmm. was a good thing for me at that time. Oh, definitely. Like I I think sometimes like when you're, when you're a mom and you're a wife and you're a teacher, you just are constantly giving, 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 giving of your time and of your effort and of your heart and your money. And it's like, oh gosh, I just want something that's just for me, you know? So, and if you don't find those things that are just for you, that bring you joy, then you're not going to be able to take care of anybody else. So that's what I try to tell myself. So then how did the second book club come to be? Um, That one doesn't have a big elaborate story behind it. Um, My neighbor across the street has become a friend of mine. And then one of the things we figured out we had in common was we both loved reading and we'd start talking about books. She was in a book club that was relatively new at the time. They had been getting together every other month. It sounded very similar to the other book club I was in. And she was, you know, would you be interested in, you know, would you have time? And I thought, well, really, I'm just committing myself to 12 books a year. And when you think like, it's if I can't read one book a month, heavens, you know, yeah, I should be able to do that for myself. So she invited me and my first meeting with them was on their kind of one year anniversary. Turned out that some of the women that were in that club, I kind of knew from other parts of my, my kid's swim team. I was like, oh, I didn't know you all knew each other. It's funny how people just are connected in Louisville. Like you're like, oh, connect the dots. Yeah, so, and it's very similar. We meet every other month. And luckily right now it all kind of falls on alternating months. Okay, so each book club meets every other month. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. So you you do really have like an entire month to finish Mm -hmm. a book. Yeah. All right. Well, that that makes me breathe a little bit easier because when you said two book clubs, right. I was like, oh my gosh, no. that seems like so much pressure. No, no, it's not. And honestly, in my one book club that's been around a while, you know, I usually try to read the book, you know, or make an attempt to. And there's some people that kind of like, well, I'll show up, but I didn't read it or I didn't finish it. And it's like, that's fine. We don't care. It's not a test, you know. It's it's all good. <laughs> so are the book clubs, do they read similar books? Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. And have you ever had an overlap oh, where yeah. the book clubs have read the same book? Right. It's funny. In my newer book club, when they start talking about books they've read in the past, I'm like, oh, yeah, we read that one, too. And, like, I think we both read The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. That was something that overlapped. And then we both read um, A Man Called Ove. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just funny, some of the same books that come up. Um, and then one of the funnest things that we did was we did kind of like a, a crossover where <laughs> um, – uh, it was just this past January. I, I don't know if you've uh, read any books by Leon Moriarty, mm-hmm. uh, Big Little Lies, mm-hmm. My Husband's oh. Secret, that kind of thing. Well, I love all of her books. Like once I read for my one book club, we read My Husband's Secret and What Alice Forgot. I loved both of those. So I was like, I'm going to read everything that she's written. So I, I have. I've read all of her books. And she came to Louisville in November to promote her latest book, Nine Perfect Strangers. And so... Some of my friends in my one book club got tickets. Some of my friends in my other book club got tickets. So my worlds collided that night. 
<laughs> and um, we all got the book and we all met the author. And then it was like, you know what? Let's just all get together in January. And we'll have both book clubs. We hosted it at my neighbor's house across the street. And, you know, we just had a whole big group. There's probably about 20 of us there. And, you know, we all just kind of got together and talked about uh, Nine Perfect Strangers. So are you the common denominator between those two groups? I was, yes. Yes. Okay. Well, that's that's really cool to yeah. do that crossover. Our, that was neat. Several members from our book club also went to that Leon Moriarty oh, okay. talk. She yeah. was really she was really charming. Oh yeah, I know. It was really neat getting to to do that. And I have a copy of the book because they gave a copy out if uh-huh. you bought tickets to go yes. see her. But of course, I haven't read it yet. Oh, I haven't okay. gotten to it yet. It wasn't my favorite one of hers, but. I had no problem finishing it. I just I wanted to see, you know, where she was going with it all. I like all of her little twists and everything. Uh, yeah, like I said, I, I like all of her books. So have there been certain books that one or the other of your book clubs haven't liked at all? Oh, yeah. When um, we just got together with my one book club, the one that's been around a while. We just got together last week and I was telling them about this interview. I was kind of going over some of the questions and it's funny like you know we've read a lot of books in the past 10 years and we all remember the duds you know like the ones like oh gosh we hated that one. Oh, remember the dinner gosh it was terrible and oh and the interestings there was nothing interesting about it and, you know and we, we had a fun time talking about all the ones that we hated and I'm the kind of reader where if I don't like it I will just, you know, I'll give I'll give it half, you know, I'll read half of it. And if you don't catch my interest or if I'm starting to think like, oh, this, I don't like where this plot's going, I'll just pitch it. I'll just junk it. And my, my, my best friend, Michelle, she's a finisher. She'll finish anything. She will read it start to finish. And so like sometimes like if I'm reading and I'm about halfway through and I'm like, I don't like this. I'll be like, Michelle, do I need to finish this one or not? And she'll just, she'll give me the Michelle abbreviated version. And then I'll just be like, yeah, I'm junking it. <laughs> yeah, you need to talk to Carrie about that because she is a chronic must finish. <laughs> For the record, I did recently stop reading something okay okay a few chapters in it was blood meridian and i haven't picked it back up okay and i don't intend to pick it back up so i i feel like i'm trying to branch out because i agree that time is valuable and you don't want to read something that you're not enjoying Mm -hmm. i'm working on it amy (laughs) baby steps i would say i'm somewhere in the middle so if I get halfway through a book, I have a hard time mm. not finishing it. But if I'm just a couple chapters in and I'm like, eh, I don't, this really isn't grabbing me, mm-hmm. then I can, I can stop. Yeah. But if I'm, if I've dedicated enough time to get halfway through, unless yeah. it's just painful, <laughs> then I'll go ahead and finish it. So how does each of the book clubs select the books and, and how do you all host? How is that all determined? With my one book club, we pretty much got to eat. We just pick a restaurant and because it's smaller, usually there's like a core group of four of us and then like four people that usually make it but are hit or miss. So we usually with a group of, you know, no more than eight, you can usually get seated, you know, make it at a restaurant. And, you know, I, I like that because I like the pressure of not having to clean my house up or make an appetizer or anything. Yeah. It's like, well, I just I like to go out to dinner. That's a treat for me. My kids laugh when it's book club night because they're like, 
oh, we're having book club spaghetti, aren't we? <laughs> yes, you are. I'm going to book club. Y'all are eating book club spaghetti. And then the way we pick books is usually we've all just been paying attention out there, seeing what's out there, Goodreads, um, different little Facebook pages for book lovers. When we first started our book club, I would, you know, I would get like magazines that have some book recommendations like Time would recommend books and um, Entertainment Weekly. And, so are they know. often new releases? Well, one? yeah, a lot of times. Or sometimes we try to put things in our back pocket and come back to them when they get released in paperback. Like, oh, that sounds really good, but let's just kind of wait till it comes out later. So that one, we just kind of bat around different ideas. Um, my sister-in-law is in that book club, and she is vor- a voracious reader. I mean, she just devours books. And so usually when we're shouting out ideas for our next book she's like oh yeah read that one read that one read that one and it's like so hard to find something that jennifer hasn't read but she's usually able to be like no let's not waste our time on that one or yeah that would be a good one for everybody to read so it sounds like you do it by consensus yes okay. that's how we do it for that group now with the other group that's kind of a neat system too what we do is um, somebody volunteers to host and then whoever is the is the host gets to choose five books post them to our Facebook group, and then we, you know, read a summary of it on, you know, Goodreads or whatever, get a feel for what it's going to be about, and then we vote. And then the top vote getter is the choice, and then we read it, and then that gives us about six to eight weeks to read it and then go to the person's house and uh, the host, like, you know, dessert, appetizers, she provides all that and talk about it. So do you all have any, like, specific rules things that you definitely don't do or you definitely do do for my smaller book club the one that's been around a longer time we will read pretty much anything like we've read new releases older books ya um non-fiction we just recently did just your choice like we did let's pick Stephen King everybody pick a Stephen King book because some people in the club would never read a Stephen King book and like I read like all the Stephen King books when I was in high school. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, I want to go back and read you know, some of the ones I've missed. So that one, just kind of whatever sounds good. Now, my other one, I think there are some rules that I think were established before I joined. Like maybe it had to be a certain amount of pages and only fiction, no, no nonfiction. I like that idea of picking an author, mm-hmm. especially one as prolific as Stephen King, where there's a wide variety mm-hmm. of different things. And he's written lots of different kinds of books too to horror to mysteries Mm -hmm. if you wanted to be more cerebral there's his on writing book Mm -hmm. that's just about the writing process so how then did the discussion go everybody sort of presented their book or um yeah like we met that night and a couple of us had read some of his older ones like pet cemetery Mm -hmm. and it and Mm -hmm. and those were all kind of a little creepier more you know that supernatural edge to them i had picked mr mercedes and I really liked that one because it was kind of a different Stephen King type of book. It, there was no creepy, supernatural, ghostly elements to it. It was more just like a crime story, and I, I enjoyed it. That's been made into a, um, a TV series. Oh, really? Did you know that? No. I think it might be on the Sci-Fi Network. Huh. I'm okay. not sure. But it has been ad- adapted. Have there been any books that have caused controversy that maybe it – launched a debate i can't say that we've ever gotten into like any kind of heated disagreements about any of the books i know that uh my one book club a lot of them they really like um, books with like a magical theme 
and I don't I, I don't care for those. Like I've tried and I just I'm kinda like, meh. Like I love Harry Potter. You know, I love those. But for some reason, like we read we read the Night Circus. Mm. Oh, everybody loved it. And I was kinda like, meh, it's okay. You know, and they were like, What do you mean? It was okay. I was like, meh. And then there was one vampire book that I can't even remember now. It, it's very popular and I'm the name is escaping me. And it's a series. Twilight? No, not that one. Not Twilight. It's oh. kinda like Twilight for grown ups, so it's just not for me and um the one we read, I pushed it. I was promoting it. It was called The Shadow of the Wind. Mm. Oh, I've been wanting to read it forever. This English teacher at Fern Creek kept saying, oh, it's a great book. You'll love it. And I kept floating it out there. Every time we got together, like, I hear The Shadow of the Wind is a really good one. And, and kind of kept getting, nah, now we'll read something else. And then they, okay, let's let's read Shadow of the Wind. So I got it, and I was like, oh. <laughs> I don't like this. So what did the rest of your book club think? And they loved it. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, sometimes we'll post on our Facebook group and somebody posts, oh, wait till you get to this one part. And I'm just like, oh, it was just wearing me. And it's one of those books I gave up on. It just didn't, it didn't speak to me. And so we got together in December and everybody, you know, oh, I loved this part and that part and the writing. And I was just like, I don't know. I just, I thought I would like it. I wanted to like it. But I well, didn't. I guess that's, I mean, if you're going to have it fall out anyway, <laughs> you know, you'd rather it fall out that way where you're the only one who yeah. didn't like it as opposed to right. you loved it and everybody else hated it right. and then they'll never let you live it down. It's so. funny, though, like the books you hate, you find yourself talking about those books. Most in the book club I'm in that I haven't been in that very long, right before I joined, they all read Lolita. They didn't like it. And every time we get together, somebody brings up Lolita and they start, you know, they start talking about it. And they're like, you know, for a group of people that didn't like this book, we sure do talk about it an awful lot. <laughs> well, and, and sometimes, I mean, that's that's part of the value of mm-hmm. reading books that maybe are controversial mm-hmm. or that people don't like. I mean, they do oftentimes give you something to think about oh, that sticks with you longer yeah. than the books that you're like, oh, I enjoyed this and it made mm-hmm. me feel so good. Right. You know, definitely. Yeah. Do you feel like you get something different out of each of the book clubs that you're in? Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess I'd say that my smaller book club, you know, my very best friend is in that one. My sister-in-law is that is in that one. So they, they're part of my family. I mean, they kind of know everything about me and, and my kids and my husband. And so I feel like they know me really well, which has its good and bad to it. You know, so then when I'm with the other book club, I don't know them all as well. So we tend to, since we're not all as closely connected and it's a larger group, we tend to talk more about the book. Whereas sometimes with my other book club, we tend to talk about the book for a minute or two and then kind of, oh, you know, my job is driving me crazy. My kids are, in tr-, you know, just we tend to get distracted. Is there anything that you're either one of the book clubs do that's outside of book club? Well, we have been trying to see more authors, like when they come to town, like we did the whole Leon uh, variety. And then in May, Celeste Ng was here. And I wasn't able to go that night because my daughter was in a school play, but they all got together and went and saw her. And then when Reese Witherspoon was here promoting her book, that was another thing. I had a conflict and I had to sell my ticket, but they all got together and saw, saw Reese Witherspoon. Do you feel like, because with being a teacher and having four children, do you feel like you ever have to work to try to get your reading in? Or do you feel like it's pretty manageable? Yeah. 
what I've been able to do is if I like the book, I find time to finish it. Now, there's been a couple book club books that I've not wanted to finish, but it hasn't been because I didn't have time. It's because they just weren't my cup of tea. But if I like the book, I will carve out the time, even if it means I'm staying up late one night, you know, or I'm doing all those things like nobody talk to me. I'm reading right now, you know, but I'll find the time somehow. Do you find you read other books that aren't book club books? Do you have time oh, to yeah. do that? Oh, so, yeah. Okay. I do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I'm a big book nerd. I went to the library at the beginning of summer and I'm like, I'm going to read all these books while I'm on summer break. And, you know, I read about half of them. Then I was going to renew them. And the library was like, there's people wanting some of those. I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> to do, give you, them back. do you ever set book challenges for yourself? I know sometimes like on Goodreads, yeah. they'll have a book challenge. Have you ever done that? Um, yeah, like my New Year's resolution this year was to try to read two books a month. I don't even know if I've, if I've really kept up with that. I think I was doing pretty well. And then I, I tapered off. But if, maybe if I tracked it, maybe I've kind of managed that somehow but yeah that's I know for myself I I did that one year I -hmm. I set a a number goal Mm -hmm. and it ended up feeling like a job and so I decided (laughs) that you know maybe a number goal isn't really for me just because of how I am so I've tried to set like a a quality goal that's a good idea over a quantity goal so I did a challenge I think for the first time last year and I actually I really liked it, but I'm not quite as... mm, Just say it, anal. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't the word I was going to (laughs) choose. But I I found that it really motivated me to, to read more books and that it motivated me to leave ones that I started Mm -hmm. and didn't like instead of, you know, plodding through for a week or two on a book that I really didn't like. Mm -hmm. I think that's why now after a couple chapters, if I don't like it, I leave it because, you know, I'm kind of on a schedule here. I'm trying to read X number of books a month. Mm -hmm. And if it can't get it through fast enough, it must not be interesting me. So I leave it. And I've increased it a little bit for this year, but I'm not really sure that I can really increase it (laughs) (laughs) much for the next year. I feel like I'm sort of at my limit to the number of books that I can read. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I found myself spending a lot of time just wasting time on my phone. And I was like, I need to put this down and read a book or read a magazine or, you know. So I was getting irritated with myself for wasting time. So I was like, I'm going to try to really read two books a month if I, you know, I should be able to do that. Yeah. I know people have asked me, how are you able to read so much? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't watch television Mm. like ever. I mean, now I will say this summer I have watched season three of Stranger Things. But other than that, I don't watch televisions. Uh. I've never seen any of the reality shows. And, you know, so if I go to read people, I'm like, who are all these folks? I don't know who any (laughs) of these people are, these real housewives of wherever. So I think sometimes if you think about where you spend your time, Mm -hmm. you can carve out time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take a whole lot of time, 15 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. To, to get through a book pretty quickly. Right. For me, I'm an, I'm an early riser. I mean, uh-huh. I wake up 5.30 or 6 o'clock oh, wow. every morning. Sometimes, <laughs> even, you know, even in the summer, that's just the way I am. And I love that time because no one else is up and I can go and sit in my little chair and read my book for about an hour mm-hmm. before anybody else. And if you read an hour a day, you can get through quite a few books that way. Yeah, that way. Oh, yeah. right, right. <laughs> and it's like I could spend an hour on Facebook just kind of endlessly scrolling or I could read. And so I've been trying to be more conscious about what I'm doing. <laughs> Are your kids big readers? No. And that just devastates me. <laughs> like 
two of my boys really don't like to read. And I'm Luke, my 15-year-old, when he was younger, he was my best reader. He read all the Harry Potter books and, you know, he read all the Lemony Snicket books. And, you know, I've been trying to kind of push him to be like, you used to really like to read, you know, try some, you know, some of this or trying to give him some recommendations and that. And he might be my my one hope for my boys. And now Allison does. She really likes to read. So she's seven. She's starting to get into her chapter books. And she reads really well. So may- maybe she'll be my reader. <laughs> I feel like I've been a failure as a reading mom because I-, I have three children and none of them are big readers. And my husband's a big reader just mm. like I am. So I don't feel that it's a lack of modeling the behavior. Oh. But my oldest he does like to read some, but mainly like history or, you know, some things like that. My middle one doesn't like to read at all, although he loves to cook. And I did find some books that he does like to read, which are the Anthony Bourdain books. Oh. So now for like his birthday and Christmas, I have gotten him a couple different books and I find he actually reads them. I'm kind of in that niche now and I'm going to try sneak in some others that I think he might like. My daughter says she doesn't like to read. She'll read for school and she will have me sometimes give her recommendations. I think that as she gets older, she may go back to it when she's not as occupied with Instagram and Mm -hmm. some different things. I do think, particularly in her case, social media, all the time she spends on Mm -hmm. Instagram or YouTube or Mm -hmm. Snapchat has reduced the amount of time that maybe she would have been reading. And I feel a little guilty about that. But what are you going to do? I know. Yeah. My my boys are little. The littlest one is nine, and he still likes to read. Mm -hmm. The 11-year-old is fighting me on Mm -hmm. it. And my daughter will read what she has to read. Mm -hmm. But I know for my husband, I mean, he likes sci-fi. That's all he reads is sci-fi. But it wasn't until we got married and every night, that's when I like to read. I like to get into bed and I can read for two hours in bed Mm -hmm. at night, much easier than I can at any other time of day. And so he started reading more Because after we got married, he saw me reading in bed every night. And so now he reads in bed every night. So, and he was 28 when we got married. You know, there's no time limit on when somebody reads or doesn't read. Mm -hmm. So who knows? The non-readers among us may one day find their niche. Right. Pick it up. They get bored of looking at social media and be like, oh, let me try a book. (laughs) So any kind of unique activities or things that you're that your group does yeah we we usually try to do something something special around christmas we've done like book exchanges as gifts you know bring something that you know you didn't read as part of book club you know and we'll do like a book exchange we've done some book crafts which i usually give up on because (laughs) i want to hear all about the book crafts like (laughs) my friend who's the librarian she um would brought some old paperbacks and had us turn them into Christmas trees by folding the pages. Oh. And yeah, some of them turned out really cute. Mine was, you know, not, I don't think I finished mine. Amy's <laughs> eyes are lighting yeah. up. I, I really, I really feel like our book club Christmas party this year is going to have a book craft yes. now. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> Does your group have a, do either one of your groups have a name? My newer book club on our Facebook page, it's just book club. Okay. <laughs> but uh, my older book club, we have, uh, um, a long time ago when we first got together, we named ourselves uh, Sanity Sisters because we all gave ourselves sanity. You know, it was like we were all going crazy. All of our kids were tiny at the time. 
you know, and we were just at that point in our lives where it was like, gosh, just to get away from the craziness of our houses and just kind of getting together and reconnecting as friends. (laughs) If you were talking to somebody who was thinking about starting a book club or joining a book club, do you have any advice that you would give them, you know, things to look for to think about? I would just tell them to not make it too structured like nobody wants to sit in a meeting ever so don't make it like a book club meeting try to you know a, a get together have fun with it one thing t- that I like about my both of my book clubs is I've been able to read books that I never would have chosen on my own so it's really like kind of opened my eyes to some different books that I probably never would have picked up and so I think that would be one of the best pieces of advice is just to kind of be open to all the options out there. Well, this has been great. We're going to take a short break. And then when we come back, we're all going to talk about what we're reading. We are back in the studio with our guest, Holly MacArthur, and we are going to talk about what we're reading. So I'll I'll start with Amy this time. Amy, what what are you reading? Well, I just finished a book called The House on Mango Street by Sandra Cisneros. And I picked it because my daughter and I are taking a long weekend trip to Chicago. And as you know, I like to read books about the place that I'm going to be going. So this book was from 1984, I believe. And it's a coming of age story about a young teenage girl named Esperanza. And she lives in Chicago. And This book is made up of little stories that could stand alone or in the beginning of this book, she has a foreword and she said, I knew I wanted to tell a story made up of a series of stories that could be read alone or that could be read all together to tell one big story, each story contributing to the whole like beads in a necklace. And I just really loved the way that she described that. And that is the way that this book is. But it's all from the point of view of Esperanza. She lives in a Hispanic neighborhood in Chicago. And this is considered to be a modern classic of Latino literature. There was some controversy about it. It's been banned in some schools. Hmm. She refers to Esperanza being raped, but it's not explicit. So if you're a sensitive reader, I think you could still read it because it doesn't give details Mm -hmm. about it. But I think that that's the reason that in some schools Hmm. that it was banned. But what I loved about the book was that she uses such great imagery in her writing. And I wanted to read just a little metaphor that she uses. This is talking about they're doing double dutch jump roping. And she says, when the two arcs open wide like jaws, Nenny jumps in across from me, the rope tick ticking, the little gold earrings our mama gave her for her first Holy Communion bouncing. I love the imagery Mm -hmm. of like those jaws because when you do the double dutch, Mm -hmm. it really does kind of look like that. Anyway, so that was one of my favorite things about the book was was the imagery. I also am listening to Michelle Obama's Becoming right Hmm. now on audio, which also all of that is set in Chicago, almost all of it. I I haven't finished it. I haven't gotten to the point where Obama's actually running for president. I just finished the part where they've gotten engaged. But pretty much all of the book except for her time when she was at Princeton is set in, in Chicago. But I will say that that's really wonderful. And her narrating it is really touching. You just feel like she gets very emotional almost while reading it. The part where she talks about her father passing away, it almost sounds like she's ready to break into tears when she's talking about that on the audio. I mean, not so much that like it's painful to hear, but all I mean is that 
there's a lot of emotion in the way that she's narrating it and I'm really enjoying it I'm about halfway through so Carrie what are you reading so I have a bit of a problem (laughs) and um it's two it's a two-part problem the first part is I will buy a book and put it on my to-read shelf and then I forget that I bought the book and then I'll buy another copy of the book. So I have two copies of the book, All Quiet on the Western Front by Eric Maria Remark. I'm going to be teaching it. And so apparently my second problem is, and I've done this before, this, this is like the third time, where I read a book and I mark it as having read it on Goodreads and then I forget that I've read the book. And so then I pick up the book to read it again and then I remember, oh, I've read this before. So I don't know. My brain is a sieve and everything that goes into it obviously falls out my ears. But anyway, I am rereading All Quiet on the Western Front, which is set during World War One, And it is the story of these boys who are at war. And I guess what got me thinking about wanting to read it is that last year I taught Uh, The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien. And I really enjoyed that. That was a book that I read it and remembered reading. Um, And so I wanted to get a different war perspective. And so All Quiet on the Western Front is very different. But what I'm noticing on rereading it is that there are these images, these scenes that really are powerful. So in one example... There's a battle that takes place in a graveyard. And so there's a lot of paradox in this book. And so he talks about in this particular scene that the dead are shielding the living from death because they're actually using the coffins and the dead bodies to Mm -hmm. shield them from bullets and bombs. And so it's definitely, you know, it's, it's not like, easy reading or what I would say enjoyable reading, but it's very powerful. Mm -hmm. And so this time I am annotating (laughs) so that hopefully I will remember (laughs) this book. So, and uh, Amy, I know that you have a little bit of a a World War One, I guess, soft spot in your heart. I do. I don't think World War One gets enough love. So, you know, World War Two gets all the attention. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's a reason for that. It was such a gruesome war. And not that all wars aren't gruesome, but you know, with with the concentration camps Mm -hmm. portion, and the fact that it it was taking place in the Pacific as well, it's sort of an all encompassing thing. But the thing about World War One is that it really changed the fabric Mm -hmm. of modern Western society in a way that nothing previous to this had and there just aren't that many books and movies about it so i'm interested i've not read all quiet on the west or if there are then i'm sure we're going to hear about it after this (laughs) (laughs) so from all quiet on the western front was that from british soldiers point of view or what was the point of view? Uh, i believe they're german so i have read a couple of books recently historical fiction that include some world war one points of view, and I've really, really enjoyed them. There's one by Jojo Moyes, who wrote Me Before You. Uh, The name of the book is The Girl I Left Behind. And part of that book is set during World War One. It is about a, a painting that was stolen by the Germans from a 
family in France. Mm-hmm. And so part of it's in modern day and part of it is set during World War One. In the modern day, there's a woman who has inherited this painting and she doesn't realize the history of the painting. But anyway, there's that one. Someone recently recommended a book to me that's going to be my next read called Testament of Youth by Vera Britton, which I think was written in the 1930s. She was a nurse during World War One, and it's about her experiences as a nurse there. It was made into a PBS series as well, but I'm anxious to read that. But yeah, I have a thing for World War I have a thing for World War One. Hmm. Also, my grandmother married a man who after my my biological grandfather died she remarried and she married a man who was about 25 years older than her and he was a a pastor he was a chaplain in both world war one and world war two and i remember him telling some stories and so that might be a little bit of it so holly now that amy has given her i don't want to call it a lecture (laughs) but uh, her her fetish with World War One. What are you reading? Well, I just finished a book. We decided for my one book club to kind of throw in a bonus for July. And it's called Laughing at My Nightmare by Shane Burkaw. And it's his autobiography, basically. He's, he's in his early 20s. He was born with this rare form of muscular dystrophy, which meant like when he was about eight months old, his parents noticed, well, you haven't started crawling yet. What's, you know, they took him to the pediatrician, you know, expecting to hear like, oh, he's just a late bloomer. It'll be fine. And it turned out he had this really rare condition where he was never going to walk and he has spent his whole life in a wheelchair um, unable to, to barely move and his muscles and everything are just slowly you know he's losing you know the strength to hold his head up and it sounds just so so sad but then this story that he writes about his life is hysterical I mean I was laughing out loud at his just his sense of humor and his sarcasm I mean you know there were parts I was tearing up and then there was parts I was just giggling and it was just a great it was a very quick read I'm definitely going to read his second book which is everyone thinks my girlfriend is my nurse (laughs) and the picture on the cover is hysterical because there's he's got his girlfriend there with him and uh, he talks a lot in the book about just how he wanted to grow up as normal as possible and he had these great parents who fought for him and brother he's had to have constant care you know, somebody has to come and get him out of bed every morning and get him in his chair. Somebody has to help him to the bathroom. I mean, he's just had to have constant round-the-clock care his whole life. But his mind is a, she's as sharp as a tack. Great writer, just awesome. And, you know, and I'm reading and I'm thinking, gosh, I'm complaining about, like, oh, I have to go to the grocery today or, oh, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. And, you know, I'm like, geez, look at his outlook. It's so just inspiring and he's so positive and so funny and – I just really enjoyed, really enjoyed reading that. So I'm going to look for his um, second book. I'm going to look for that at the library. And in the meantime, uh, what I'm reading, I picked this up by accident because I had to return all my other library books. (laughs) (laughs) My son has to do some summer reading for for his English class. And he had an option, like a a list of five books to choose from. So I I guess I found three of them at the library. And so I presented, I was like, here you go, you know pick something out of this and he ended up picking the undoing project which was the longest one so I was kind of like okay and it's nonfiction, so I was like okay all right but then I 
since I had this one, Peace Like a River by Leif Anger, I've not, I've not ever heard of it. And I just picked it up. I started reading it. I'm just a couple chapters in. And it, it seems pretty interesting. A story of a family. They don't have a mom. And I can kind of tell the older brothers, this kind of rebel. And it's told from the perspective of the middle child, an 11-year-old named Reuben. So I'm going to dive into this at the, at the pool today. <laughs> I think that one was an Oprah pick years ah. ago. Mm. Yeah, it's been around so. a while. Yeah. yeah. I read it, okay. but I don't remember anything about it. So <laughs> I, I'm sure that comes as a shock given what I talked I about. Relate. But um, But I'm sure it was good because yeah. I do at least remember okay. reading yeah. it. So yeah. yeah. Back to the first one that you talked about, uh, the, what it reminded me of is a book that to me was both funny and incredibly sad at the same time, which was Angela's Ashes by Frank McCourt. Oh, okay. I don't know if either one of you have ever read that. But he he was Irish, grew up in mm-hmm. Cork, I think. And he had sort of a horrific childhood with a, a drunk father and his parents. I think they, they were like five or six children. They couldn't afford to feed mm-hmm. them. Sort of your stereotypical, what you think of as a horrible Irish you know, mm-hmm. upbringing of a certain time. But he is just so funny. They're just, you know, same thing. There's mm-hmm. so many moments you want to cry, but then he just cracks you, cracks mm-hmm. you up. And I've been to Ireland before, and they are a, they are funny. And mm-hmm. I think that there's a certain type of Irish humor that if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. Mm-hmm. And so it reminded me a little mm-hmm. bit of what you were saying with that. We're going to have that one unfunny Irish person call in <laughs> and go, there's one of us over here. <laughs> Okay, well, we're going to take one more break, and then we're going to be back with Holly's Top 5. We're back in the studio with Holly MacArthur, and we are going to ask her about her Top 5. So the first thing I want to ask you, Holly, is what is your Top bookish moment that you've had recently? I would say the beginning of this summer, I took my daughter to the library, J-Town Library, and it was just a no no big deal, no big ordeal about it, but we just went there, spent about an hour. She was looking for books, and I just had a really, a really fun time seeing her pick out books and kind of look at the cover and read the back, and it just brought back I remember being a kid and just pestering my mom to take me to the Shively Library. I mean, just please, can I go to the library? And it was like, she'd finally be like, okay, all right, we'll go tonight. And it was like, yes, hope, still got that hope that my daughter's going to be a reader. <laughs> well, I did something recently I've never done before. So there's another podcast that I listen to called Reading Glasses, and they have a reading challenge this year. And I'm not really doing the whole reading challenge, but one of the things on their challenge is to send a letter or a message or an email to an author where you have really admired their book or their writing. And so I thought that was kind of interesting. I've never done such a thing, so I did it recently. I emailed an author. I emailed Hannah Nordhaus, who had written a book that I read recently that I loved called um, American Ghost. And it's a nonfiction, and it's about her great-great-grandmother who is reportedly haunting one of the famous hotels in Santa Fe. Uh, it used to be her home, but it's been made into a hotel. But it's sort of about family lore around it. It brings in American history, her family history, some sociology, a little bit of paranormal Anyway, it brought it all together, and I love a book where I learn a little something. And so this book, just I just loved it. So anyway, I sent her a little email and told her how much I liked it, and 
and maybe I'll get a message back. Who knows? But everybody likes to hear positive things sometimes, right? Oh, yeah. sure. Holly, do you have a, a favorite Girl Scout activity? Holly is a Girl Scout mom, and I am a Girl Scout mom. So <laughs> do you have a favorite activity? Yeah, I was uh, never in Girl Scouts as a kid, but my daughter wanted to join, and they needed a couple leaders. So that's been kind of a, a new experience for me, but it's one I've really enjoyed. And the past two years, the past two summers, I've gotten to go to day camp for the week at Camp Shanatuck. And I've just had the best time. And I know Allison has had fun as well. And I never realized all the great food you can eat at Girl Scout camp. And I just have enjoyed uh, learning all their cool snacks. The, The banana boats were a huge hit. Of course, I think they were probably really delicious because I was starving at that point. <laughs> but, you know, I was like, oh, this is the best dessert I've ever had, you know. So is that where you put like a banana and mm-hmm. aluminum foil mm-hmm. with like chocolate Cut it down the middle, stuff it with marshmallows and chocolate chips. Apparently butterscotch is a good addition too, but we just did the chocolate and the marshmallow and then it melts together in the campfire. It was delicious. My other favorite, I was really hoping that the unit I was with would choose, because we let the girls choose their snacks that they want to make. And I was like, please let them pick armpit fudge, you know. (laughs) And I was like, that sounds so gross. But it's like, it's such a cute little thing they do where they get the Ziploc bags and they mix their, you know, the cocoa and the cream cheese and just all the, you know, the butter. And they they seal it. And the the joke is you would put it underneath your armpit and kind of work it back and forth to turn it into fudge. And it sounds really gross. But the girls kind of- Because you get it warm. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the best places to get it warm when you've been at Girl Scout camp all day. Yeah. But, you know, the girls were kneading it. And, you know, and everybody does their own bag. And, you know, then you have your armpit fudge. And I just thought that was just the fun. If they had had armpit fudge when I was a brownie, I might have stayed. I never made it past brownie. But if they'd had armpit fudge, I think I might have stuck around. Yeah. I never knew how tasty all the Girl Scout snacks would be. Well, I when I was a kid, I was in Girl Scouts. And I did go to camp. But I ended up in the nurse's station, like, every day because my allergies were so bad. But I have gone to camp as an adult and it is a lot of fun I was super bummed this year because our vacation overlapped with camp and so we weren't able to go but one of my favorite things about camp even though I don't really participate necessarily is some of the Girl Scout songs there's this one in particular where you sit in a circle and you slap hands and it goes down by the banks of the hanky pank where the book frog jumps from banks banks saying eeps ipes oops oops and then it goes on and on and on and on and I can never remember mm-hmm. anything after that but it's just so much fun when you can learn the lyrics and you get to participate with the girls I always enjoy that that's one of my favorites so I know that you have taught several different subjects as a high school teacher. Which one has been your favorite? What's your top subject to teach? Well, I've, I've done English. I've done um, television, radio, print journalism. I think probably the one area that I got the most out of was being in charge of the yearbook. There's just something about working with the kids on something that's actually you know, I'm like, your work is going to be published, have to get it right. And there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of tension and yearbook drama, but there's just such a camaraderie that comes with that. And I just feel like that was, that's been one of the most very challenging some years with some staffs, but it's also been the the most rewarding too, where I've really built the relationships with the kids. And 
that was the hardest conversation I had with anybody um, when I made the decision to, to transfer from Fern Creek was when I had to tell the juniors uh, that were in yearbook with me that I wasn't going to be coming back uh, with them and be with them for their senior year. Uh, that was really tough. Lots of tears. I, I think they'll be fine. Oh, I can totally understand that. I was I was a yearbook mm-hmm. girl in yeah. high school. I was the yearbook editor. I, <laughs> I actually went to some yearbook camps mm-hmm. and then I was a counselor for some yearbook camps. You didn't make armpit fudge at <laughs> no. yearbook camp. We did not do we did not do armpit fudge at yearbook camp. But I loved yearbook because mm-hmm. you really become you're spending so many hours after school as well mm-hmm. doing it. You become like a family mm-hmm. and and the woman who was my teacher had been doing it a long time and did it after me, but she was like a second mother to oh. me. Her name was Mrs. McCune. Well, and I just I just loved her. My yearbook and newspaper teacher in high school was Miss Reedy. And she is retired now, um, but she saw my post on Facebook about, you know, I said I was leaving and she sent me a private message. And I, you know, change is hard. And I've been going back and forth, like, is this the right thing? Am I, should I be making this change? to a new school and a new program and Miss Reedy way back still I'm still in touch with her every now and then reached out to me sent me a message saying you've got this you're going to be great and it was just what I needed to hear at the right time you know so I think that's the thing with being a high school teacher like you really you know there's just some relationships you make that last you know this has lasted 30 something years she's the teacher who I went back to see every mm-hmm. year after I graduated high school it's not to say I didn't like some of my other teachers but she's mm-hmm. the one who had the most effect on my life and I went back to see her almost every year until she she died of, of cancer mm-hmm. not too many years ago but yeah mm-hmm. so you you're gonna have a, a positive impact on those, all those kids do you have a top favorite family activity that, that your family likes to do yeah, I think something that we, we all can enjoy because my kids run the spectrum of ages from 7 to 18, and it's hard to find a similar taste in movies or TV, that kind of thing. Um, one thing that we all can kind of agree on is we all enjoy going out hiking, and that's something we've tried to do a little more of, going out to the parklands, trying, you know, not going too far, but just there's a lot you can do right here in Louisville because that's something that we're, we all have the ability to do, and usually that's some of the – times like when we're walking that have a conversation with the boys that I know I wouldn't normally get out of them home. Do you all hike in the summer or is it all all year long? Um, I think it's often hard to do in the summer because it's so hot yeah. but you know it is what it is but yeah year round. So the last question is that both you and your husband used to work for a local tv station. What is the top thing most people would find surprising about doing local tv news? I think that most people, they just think of all the people in front of the camera. And there are so many people that work behind the scenes. And they all have good hearts and they all their intentions are in the right place. They're trying to tell the stories of our community. Sometimes they do it better than other times. But they're trying and there's no hidden agenda or there's no ulterior motives. It comes from a place of real something very genuine and when I worked in TV those are some of the hardest working people I've ever met and you know a lot of them are still there plugging away at it and some people have left for other careers or other cities but I think that's one of the things like people just have no idea they just see the anchors and they think that oh they're just doing it all and it's like well no there's a whole team of of people putting blood sweat and tears into that. Well, Holly, it has been so much fun having you here on the show. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Thanks, Holly. Thank you for having me. 
for joining us today. For show notes for any episode, please go to our blog site at www.perksofbeingabooklover.com. Follow us on Facebook at Perks of Being a Book Lover and on Instagram at Perks of Being a Book Lover Pod to see what we're up to and when new episodes air. If you enjoy our show, spread the word and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other listeners find us. Finally, a huge thank you to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots, community-based radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there, live or in archives, at forwardradio.org, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts.